This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. The evidence coming fast and furious from the witness stand in the Alex Murdoch double murder trial. In the last moments, the prosecutor, who's got him on cross-examination, asked, you know what? You're just now telling us you were really at the kennels after you've been denying it since the night of the murders? Well, the defense attorney jumped up like a jack-in-a-box. i got to give him credit for speed and objected based on the Fifth Amendment right to remain silent. Here's the kicker. Their client chose not to remain silent and has taken the stand. And, uh-oh, I'm hearing in my ear, joining me right now, uh, crime scene expert and star of a new hit podcast, Zone 7, and founder and director of the Cold Case Research Institute, Cheryl McCollum, is with us. Cheryl, <laughs> all this time he's been saying, I was not at the kennels. And now suddenly at trial, that story changes. That's what I'm saying, Cheryl. And maybe that's a good example that the defense will sit back and wait and watch to see what the state puts up. And then they will craft and tailor their defense strategy based on the evidence the jury has heard, such as once all the financial crimes came in, he now is saying, yeah, I did that. And I'm so proud I've been sober for what? What did he say, Jackie? 300, 500 days? I guess since he's been in jail. So he'll take that before he would never have admitted to that. But now since it got into evidence, the story is changing. Now since his voice has been identified as being in those kennels with Paul and Maggie, about two or three minutes before they're murdered, he's like, oh yeah, I was there now that I think about it. I was there. Then I left. So we see you know, a shift in strategy. Go ahead. We grew up in a profession that says if you lie about one thing, you've lied about everything. 
So once he's admitting, oh, yeah, I lied about that. I lied the whole time. I lied to everybody. I lied to clients. I learned, you know, I lied to law partners. I lied to my children. I lied to my wife. I lied to my parents. I lied to my brothers. Then what's to say you're not lying right now about that you didn't do it? So the jury's going to have a lot to absorb with this to recognize he lied, which also dramatically changes that timeline. So now you've got, what, two minutes before you leave and this killer supposedly shows up? They're going to have a hard time buying that. Oh, man, I took some notes on that during testimony yesterday. I mean, they're going to have to argue that he was at the kennels, then he leaves, um, then within the next three minutes, the killers see him leave and erase him, commit a double murder, what's the motive, and then leave before he can get back. I'm laughing so hard. You, you got to hear this. I was looking at social last night. Some people say you're the one that always brings the dog aspect in. Why didn't the dogs bark? That's not what made me laugh. It was this one from someone named Adorable Deplorable. She says, OMG, I guess he's he's doing 80 MPH at 9 p.m. When to see his mom, when the caregiver called him at 3.58 to tell him his mom was agitated, and at 9 o'clock that she's sound asleep, so he's flying uh, 80 MPH to get there at 80 MPH back. And then she also writes later, oh, I was wrong. He always goes 80 MPH down that country road. Cheryl McCollum, can I tell you something? Uh, I think I told you this. I was heading back to the courtroom on a Sunday night, but I wanted to cook supper and eat with the children that Sunday night before I left. So we did that, and I didn't get into the car until almost 8 o'clock at night for a really long drive. There were no street lights, Cheryl. I mean, we're used to it, having grown up in the country, but it was pitch dark. All I saw were about literally about 40 deer, and I don't even know how many possums I dodged on those back roads. There is no way that he was, I mean, 80 miles an hour? There had to be some st pretty strong motivation for him to fly back at 80 MPH. Exactly. But you and I are two people that uh, our mantra is timeline, timeline, timeline. Now from his lies, that timeline has changed. And what is so significant to me is not only the placement of where he was, but he cannot give you a reasonable explanation as a member of the bar, as an officer of the court, that he would ever lie about his whereabouts <laughs> on that day, minute by minute. He would know more than anybody he was damaging that case. And that's what he's done. I mean, if, if even if he, you know, let's just say he didn't do it. Why would you lie about where you freaking were? That's going to make it look bad. I saw him. Oh, it looks bad. I saw him on direct examination, Cheryl, explaining away with softball questions mm -hmm. from his trial attorney many of the issues that had come up during trial. For instance, his story now is I was at the wait, how did he work in? I was at the kennels. I was at the kennels. No, no. He was talking about after supper. Actually, his story still doesn't make sense because 
the kennel visit was just before he would have left to go to his mom's house at Almeida. But he's now saying he went into Moselle, the hunting lodge, mm -hmm. that he was tired, that he took a shower, and he had the air conditioning going. And you know what that means out in the country. You can't hear anything outside the house with the AC on. And that the TV was on to try to explain away why he didn't hear multiple shots riddling his wife and son with bullets. That's his new thing. I had the AC on. Sorry, I didn't hear all the gunshots yeah. outside my door because I had the AC and the TV on. That's his new thing. But you, I want you to address that. But also, you said, officer of the court, Cheryl, have you seen that he had a badge? He had his badge yes. and his either dad's or grandfather's badge and would leave it open in his cup holder in his car if he got pulled over for speeding so the sheriff, Correct. the trooper could see it. So he would get a warmer reception from police. And then the night of the Mallory Beach boat crash, the state really did a good job. They went and pulled video and photos of him going to the hospital that night with his badge, mm -hmm. the shield hanging out of his pocket to gain access to go Correct. talk to everybody on the vet, on the boat to get them to change their testimony. Well, did you even learn that Mallory Beach's mom asked if she could go down to the water's edge where they were all gathered when they were still searching for her daughter and they refused to allow her to go down? But then when she, you know, when Murdoch shows up with his badge out, he and his wife were able to go right down to the water's edge and talk to all the first responders. Again, there's professional courtesy and there is just outright deliberate confusion that you're allowing to take place. That should have never happened. He should have never been allowed to go down there. You know, since I left the district attorney's office, I have never once displayed my badge. Uh, that's impersonating an officer if you do that. Now, uh -huh. I showed it uh -huh. to viewers yesterday because it's the same foldout that Murdoch had. Uh -huh. uh, but that is actually against the law to use a badge when you are no longer in law enforcement. So, but he was certainly using. Oh, which leads me to the next thing. Did you know Murdoch got a blue light for his personal oh, yes. vehicle and used it? Oh, yes. What? To get to Jimmy John's? I mean, why would he need a blue light? <laughs> to, you know, to make better time getting to fake visit his mama, I reckon. And Nancy, can you imagine <laughs> if you had taken that badge when we were in, a, in Aruba and you displayed it to those officers? Like, don't you know who I am? Who were trying to arrest us and you were such a big help, know Cheryl. Such a big help. <laughs> Yeah, I turned hey, around and like I told you, <laughs> like I told you there. I love you, but I don't want to go to jail with you. Look, I'm looking for One something of us had to stay out to make the call to make the bail payment. Thank you. I was taking on four guys. Did you notice they were dressed like SWAT officers, like Red Dog, and they're solid black, chasing oh, yeah. down you, me, and oh, yeah. Beth Twitty. Like, what yeah. were we gonna do? And we're standing there unarmed in our sweatpants. Yeah. 
You and Beth together maybe weighed 125 pounds. I thank you very much for that. I stood back there and I'm like, look how huge these men are. And y'all were both so tiny. Well, and compared I'm like, to yeah, them, is, they were all like Westinghouse well. refrigerators. Hey, hey, I got something yeah. else to tell you. I was looking on social last night. And all of a sudden, you know, Alex Murdoch is suddenly for the first time using endearing monikers, nicknames for. I wanted to ask you. Wait, that. wait. Yes, you have to hear this. Mm. This is from, um, hold on, this is from Sally Thompson on Twitter. (laughs) She wrote it up the best. I cannot even take credit for that with a straight face. Ready? This is Alex Murdoch speaking. Mags and Pawpaw have been talking to Roro, Stanky Leg, Little Jimmy, and Fathead, who heard about the pill pills from Handsome and Dibble Dabble, who told Bus Bus and M, who threatened to call the Popo on the talkie talkie. I love That's that song. Yep. I would have to memorize uh, you know, it and say it to the jury with a straight face. Okay. There's Why no is way he the doing this? See through this crap. Because he's trying to make it seem like, oh, we were all so close and Paul was nothing but a fabulous person. And we even called him Paul Paul and then Mags. But again, that ain't how he referred to anybody on the 911 call. That's not how we refer to them in the interrogation tapes. And I'll tell you something. What Sally just wrote up, I think, is what the jurors are hearing. Because, you know, part of what they were saying, the way he talks, nobody's buying it, sir. I don't think there's going to be a family video. There's not going to be anything where he's talking to them like that. Um. Okay, just because I've been reading it nonstop this morning, I'm just going to read it again. Mags and Pawpaw had been talking to Roro, Stanky Leg, Little Jimmy, and Fathead, who heard about Pill Pills <laughs> from <laughs> Handsome and Dibble Dabble, who told Bus Bus and M, who threatened to call the Popo on the talkie talkie. So I'm not the only one that noticed it, Cheryl McCollum. I wonder if the oh, jury. Oh, you're not the only one. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Here's another thing. Did you read online, Sydney, at least one Lady Gerard was crying? Is that real? I did. Ann Emerson didn't tell me that. I'm I'm heading to South Carolina, just so you know, in about 48 hours. I can't take it anymore. I've got to get in there and see for myself. Crying? Why would they be? Maybe when he was addressing the murders of Maggie and Paul, I hope they were crying from Maggie and Paul and not from Alex Murdoch. I don't like Well, let's just be real. He didn't cry when Buster was testifying, and Buster didn't cry when Daddy was testifying about Paul, Paul, and Mags. So to me, there's a whole lot of fakeness going on, and I think the jury's going to be able to see right through it. Is that actually a word, fakeness? Yes. Okay, you you say yes. Okay, like I'm going to just take your word for it. Um, you know what I meant. It's got to be a real word, then. You know what it means. Okay, so Cheryl, but he is. He's not authentic. He's not authentic, and they can see that. Do you believe the jury is going to fall for Murdoch on the stand? A lot of people are actually complaining about the prosecutor about why is he going through all yeah. these financial crimes. It's not about the financial crimes themselves. It's about the fact that he could look at somebody, say a guy dying of colon cancer or a, a victim who become a quadriplegic and he is literally stealing millions of dollars in their settlements. Right. The fact that he can show up at a hospital when a beautiful young girl is missing and not worry about her at all, not talk about her at all, not do anything at all for her family. You know, and and go ahead. I was going to say, and, and actually do the opposite. Try to muddy the water to say, oh, I, I'm not sure Paul Paul was driving the boat. I think somebody else was driving the boat and trying to ruin that young man's life, too. You know, I noticed when Buster testified, and I'm going easy on Buster because I feel bad for him losing his mother and his brother. But did you hear toward the end of his testimony, he said, well, none of us believe that Paul was really driving that boat. Uh, He was. That's what all the witnesses say. So if he thinks Paul was not driving the boat, what does he Mm -hmm. think about who killed Maggie and Paul? I mean, that's not that much of a stretch. Do you remember your closing argument when you had the mason jar filled with all the different stuff, the sand and the rocks and a little bit of mud, and you shook it up and it was just spinning all around, just this swirl of mess and muck and trash? Can I just tell you talk to that jury? Yes, tell it. Okay, so. I would start somewhere in the trial and put a huge jar, I mean a big one, like an 18-inch tall jar, clear jar, and in it would be a lot of sand, not dirt, but sand, 
and um, actually I think I did have some dirt in there and water and I sit this jar on the edge of the state's council table and I'm sure the jury wondered what is that dirty water for when it, it, as the evidence came in and I presented the state's case the sand and dirt would separate from the water and you could see straight through the water it was crystal clear then in closing arguments I would take the jar and immediately attack the defense that would be the first thing in closing statement and I'd shake it up and say see how they made everything so muddy and murky nothing is clear anymore like this then set it back down on council table then start my argument going through the state's case and what each witness and what each piece of evidence proved beyond a reasonable doubt the defendant was guilty and then at the end by an hour which is typically as long as a jury can keep their eyes open the dirt and the water would have separated again so I could pick it up and say see it's all crystal clear again convict him would be my it was point. So brilliant. It was so brilliant, Nancy. And it was like this living, active metaphor that was unfolding before your eyes that you just couldn't argue with. And that's what I think the jurors are going to be able to do in that jury room. They're going to be able to separate all this muck and sand and rocks and leaves and garbage and be able to crystal clear see right through his BS. You know, um, one thing I find really interesting, but it's going to have to... The, it's going to have to be explained because so much evidence has come in that it takes some explaining what it all means. Uh, like all of those times on the phones, all of the cell mm -hmm. calls, all of the Snapchats. And then you overlay that with his car door opening and closing when he left to go see his mom in Alameda, when he came back, when he paused and slowed down to throw out Maggie's phone as it is exhibited and all of these times and cell data and OnStar and so forth. That's got to be laid out very carefully. But what about this? He is saying he was so high out of his mind, he didn't really appreciate the consequences of his acts, such as lying to clients. But that night, he had the wherewithal to lie about being down at the kennel. And that's really, he, that was before he should have understood the timeline. Like he should have, he shouldn't have known it mattered that he was at the kennel. I've got to write that down. He shouldn't have known that it mattered that he was at the kennel. Should not have even known that. He shouldn't know what time the shootings occurred. But yet he knew and he lied. He knew the timing of him at the kennel was critical. Cheryl, I think that's actually very probative. It is probative, but he's also lying when he doesn't produce the guns that they know he owns. That they have pictures of him shooting. He won't produce the gun. Because he's not going to let them run those tests on that weapon. So, Cheryl, what... I'm trying to... Th okay, I remember the case. It was a guy that I believe was serial killer, as did many others. But I got him on one murder of a Jane Doe. <sighs> and she had one of her earrings yanked out. Mm -hmm. And I found it near where her body was out in the field. Of course, I thought she was murdered somewhere else. And from that one earring, I could prove seven or eight things to the jury based upon the placement and just a lot of different factual 
arguments to the jury. So this one thing, let's analyze this for a moment. Him lying that night mm-hmm. about not being at the kennel. What, mm-hmm. Help me articulate this, Cheryl. See, when he comes back and finds the bodies, for all he knew, they could have just been shot like two minutes before while he was at his mother's. So why right. why would he choose, why would he think he needed to lie that he was at the kennel an hour before? He had to because know that that was the time of the murder. He had to know that was right, and he had to know that was the primary crime scene. He didn't know they weren't carried there from the field or from the house. He knew that was the primary crime scene, and he wanted himself as far away from it as possible. That's why you have the delay in calling 911. That's why you say, oh, yeah, I touched him. That's why he changed clothes. That's why he lied about his whereabouts. That's why his only alibi was a woman with dementia. Come on now. This whole thing, this whole thing, if this was in a book, you would go, oh, good Lord, this guy's guilty. You ain't got to read the rest of the book. So can I ask you, other than, which I think is the strongest evidence, him being at the kennel at the time of the murders, two minutes before we know the phones went dead, what do you think is the second strongest evidence? The video from Paul on Snapchat. Well, that's the, what I'm saying. He's at the kennel. That that's the strongest evidence because he's. Oh yes, I thought you meant him lying about it. Yeah. Well, I think the video did him lying about it. I think the next thing is him not producing the guns that they know that he owns, just like OJ and the Bruno Mac shoes. Come on, that's huge to me. What and then the you, other wait, thing. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say Bruno Magley? Did you just say that? I don't know how, I don't know how to pronounce it. Bruno Molly, hello. Okay, well, like I'm that's how Italian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I Please don't let think me enjoy I my you. moment that I actually caught you in something wrong, which is so rare. I have to enjoy the moment while it lasts. Okay. <laughs> What's the second most important thing, other than him not turning over the guns? I think that we know that he will invoke a weapon in a crime, hence the suicide Agreed. for murder. Propensity to pull a gun. When you're in a jam, hey, pull a gun. Yeah, pull a gun. And then, you know, I think the other money tree is going to be the phone logs. The number of times he, you know, contacted the person that set up the suicide for hire, the the number of times he contacted the DNR officer, the number of times he called anybody that is only for himself. I'm still um, hung up on him pulling that badge all the time. Yep. I do wish you had had it in Aruba. That would have saved me some time. And maybe we wouldn't be, you know, thrown at a Holiday Inn for life. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm the sacrificial lamb. Only I would go to jail for impersonating an officer. Thank you. <laughs> I don't have a lot of faith in the Aruban jail system or justice system. <laughs> what do you think about his demeanor in court? Uh, fake. Self-serving. Again, you know, the fake tears, the having to dramatically go into his jacket for the Kleenex, the, you know, the endearment terms that, again, nobody has ever heard anybody call these people on any other video that the family has put out. Um, I think that there's several times where his brother in the back has been crying and Alec is just sitting at the defense table like it's any other day, chewing on whatever he's eating. And then again, you know, he makes no emotional breakdown when his only living child is talking about losing his mama and brother. Mm. But, you know, when it suits him, he does. But if you watch him, he cries, 
But then they ask you one more thing, it's right back to talking. Just it stops immediately. So did you hear that yesterday <laughs> the defense attorney, Hart Putlian, mm-hmm. um, stood, stands up and says, oh, we have two more witnesses. Can we put them up tomorrow? In the middle of cross-exam. And the mm. state said, what? No. So it looks like they're going to bring on a crime scene tech and a pathologist or someone related to pathology. Okay. Now, you know that if it is a pathologist or medical examiner, they did not view the bodies. They only are going on pictures. What do you make of that? I think there'll be enough in those pictures that they'll be able to articulate exactly what happened to those two victims. This and is again, for the defense. How can they play it any other way than they were, maybe they're talking about who got shot first or the trajectory path of, path of the bullets. They're, they're going to go back to how tall the shooter was. They keep harping on that. Like how tall are you, Cheryl McCollum? I'm five, six and a half. Where were you but that they, night? <laughs> I'm five, two. Well, I'm actually worried. Well, five, one and a half. I'm worried. I don't really have an alibi. Exactly. So the shooter uh, was 5'2". Did anybody believe that guy? No. Nobody believed him. Because, again, you can shoot from a kneeling position because you're hidden. You can shoot from your hip. I mean, this is this is easily explained. It could be somebody six foot tall. But here's the other thing. I think they're going to be able to kind of shoot themselves in the foot. When they start talking about those photographs and the amount of blood, again, Alex said he touched both of them to see whether or not they had a pulse or were breathing. He had no blood on his hands and had changed clothes. But there was blood so on his steering wheel, so he must have had some blood on his hands. That's right. But I don't he understand, Cheryl, up. how... Okay, let me let me get this straight. He says he touched them to check for pulse. Mm-hmm. Then he went and got a gun? Or did he go straight to call 911? In any event, when did he go back to the car and touch the steering wheel? When was that supposed to happen? Exactly. Exactly. So that's part of that timeline he's not going to be able to explain. Okay, guys, we have been hearing so much from Alex Murdoch on the stand. He is under cross-exam. This is why, very typically, the rule is never take the stand if you're the accused. But, Cheryl, I think he did a pretty good job on direct he did a fine job yesterday, but let's talk about what that was. They had sat in a room for how many months getting him ready. He knew exactly what they were going to ask him and in what order. Today's going to be a different day. This is when the thing will be decided, in my opinion. Guys, Alex Murdoch on trial for double murder. What a circuitous route to justice. We wait. As justice unfolds, I am headed to South Carolina. Cheryl, I wish you were going to be in the minivan with me. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible, Lisa Mattress. Tired of tossing and turning because you sleep hot? Look no further than Lisa's chill collection. You can say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. For a limited time, save up to $460 on a Chill Collection mattress and get two pillows free. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash 
Nancy. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.